morning, church. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new here today, I want to say welcome. I hope you feel right at home. Uh, we're glad that you're here with us today. Uh, we're going to start today's service with a couple of things about small groups. Uh, if you're not in a small group already, uh, we encourage you to get into those. We are hosting small groups every single week uh, with a bunch of new opportunities that are coming up. So here's a couple of the new opportunities. Uh, Journeys partnering with Celebrate Recovery. Uh, those are going to begin Monday, March 11th at 6, and those will continue every Monday at 6 uh, going forward. Uh, shout out to uh, two of our volunteers that are helping with this, Samantha Carroll and uh, Penny Willett that have uh, kind of handled this uh, from now on, and they're going to be handling this as it continues. It's going to be a great partnership. Uh, so thank you, Samantha. Thank you, Penny, for all of the sacrifices you've made uh, to make sure that this group can happen. So if you are interested in Celebrate Recovery or would like more information, uh, you can see Bobby or myself afterwards, and we will connect you uh, with the right people. The women's group is starting a new study Tuesday, March 12th at 6.30. There's a sign-up sheet right here at this back table. Uh, you can uh, reserve a book today. And uh, if you have any questions about that or want some more information about the study, uh, you can see Connie right over here who's playing piano here on stage. They're also getting a group together to go to this conference of Fresh Grounded Faith uh, in Lexington. I believe it's sometime in April. And uh, that table also has information with a sign-up sheet as well if you would like to sign up for that. Journey's collecting some pillowcases for our friends at Shady Lawn Nursing Home. Uh, our goal is 80, and uh, someone brought in 36 <laughs> this past week. Uh, so that was about half of them. So uh, there you go. They one up you, now one up them. Bring in 37 this week. Uh, bring in some more pillowcases for us. Our goal is 80. We're going to crush that goal. I know we will. Uh, but they will take anything that we give. You can drop those in these black tubs next to the stage here as you come in. You can also do it throughout the week. We're here Monday through Friday, uh, 8.30 to 5.30, except for lunchtime. You can come in and drop those as well. Or you can give to our Tide Jug ministry, which is here on the stage. It's a pocket change ministry. Uh, we get about 100 bucks every week, and all of the proceeds for that will go towards these pillowcases as well. Discover Journey is scheduled Sunday, March 17th, and we sent out letters this past week. So if you get a letter in the mail, uh, just know it's from us, and please RSVP for Discover. Uh, we would love to have you after service for about an hour just to talk about who we are as a church, uh, talk about our core values, introduce uh, staff and elders, and just kind of get to know you a little bit better too, and how you can partner with us as a church. Our next churchwide potluck is set for Sunday, uh, March 24th, following service, and brunch is the menu. We're calling this the Brunch Bash, and uh, here's the menu here on the screen, too. Uh, a through G, last names A through G. If you can bring finger sandwiches or appetizers, that'd be awesome. Uh, last names H through P, breakfast casseroles, and last names Q through Z, some fruits and sweets. It's going to be fun. So this is the weekend before Easter weekend, so we would love to have you out for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Easter is coming. Easter's here soon. The groundhog has lied to us so far, but Easter is coming soon, and we hope you can join us here at Journey Saturday, March 30th at 6, or Sunday, March 31st at 10.30. Uh, come and join us as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together. In this Easter weekend, we're going to be in a series called I Believe, which is starting next weekend. Uh, we're going to be talking about how how we really believe and why we believe. We're going to be looking at the books of, uh, book of Romans. It's going to be a lot of fun doing that. Take us through Easter weekend uh, into maybe the end of the school year. And we're wrapping up our current series today, Zip It. Say Zip It. I'm really excited for this message. Hope you all are too. Let's get started. Guys, you guys that are home and those that are with us here in person, welcome. We're going to look at James in just a second, James chapter 3. We're going to wrap up this series this weekend called Zip It, and we're talking about how sometimes it's better to say nothing. If you can't say something nice like Mama said, just zip it and don't say a word. So we've looked at 
how God teaches us in the Bible, sometimes we uh, need to zip it because we're complaining way too much. Say way too much. We don't realize it sometimes. We don't realize the habit that we picked up. And it really is a bad habit if you're a complainer all the time. We tell everybody, yeah, I'm happy. I'm doing fine. And it sounds like we're living in green acres. Like my car's full of gas and my cows are big and fat and my grandkids are smart as they can be. It sounds like we're happy. But before you know it, it, it you know, something happens, circumstances change, and we sound a lot different. Instead of green acres, it's belly acres. Like, you know, we're complaining about everything. And that's a really bad habit. And sometimes friends have to tell us, like, don't use those kind of words. It just doesn't sound good. So the first lesson was all about complaining. And last week we talked about how criticism becomes another bad habit. And uh, we don't want to be negative, but it seems like a lot of times we begin... Uh, we begin with a negative thought instead of a positive word. Words are powerful, and they can either build us up or they tear us down. And you've got to use the right words, like using the right nail. If you're going to build a house, Craig Ritchie, if you're going to put on a roof, you've got to get the right nail in a nail gun because uh, it just doesn't work so well if you have the wrong nail, nail in the wrong nail gun. So same thing with words. You've got to have the right words out of our mouth to actually build others up, build something good, words are powerful, so that sets me up for how we're going to wrap this up tonight and tomorrow, what does God have to say about gossip, let's start there, in James chapter 3, and if you have a Bible, you can read James 3 yourself with me, James 3 verse 5 and verse 6 in the NIV New International Version, or just look on the screen, you guys are home, you can look at our slides, We'll help you there. James, the half-brother of Jesus himself, who actually grew up, you know, with Jesus in the same house with Joseph and Mary, you know, that guy. He became a leader in the church in Jerusalem, an elder, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, which we call Easter, that we're going to worship about in a few weeks. And it was this leader in the church connected to Jesus, not just spiritually, but even in his own family as a half-brother, gave some words of instruction about the tongue. You've read it. You've read this before. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. Most disagreements get started way too fast. Some argument gets started like a spark in the forest, and we didn't know it was going to happen until it's out of control. And the next thing you know, we're in some big disagreement. And the devil's, the devil's in the weeds there. He is definitely the enemy who tries to really destroy what God is building. John 10.10, 10, remember? What Jesus said, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God is building. God came to build us up, to grow us up. And Satan comes to try to destroy and tear down uh, everything that is good. And sometimes he uses words. Verse 6, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It's pretty small, but it carries a pretty big punch, the tongue. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. So honestly, to be very transparent, you know, we, we're all just people. Nobody gets this right all the time. Not, not a preacher, not some church leader, nobody does. Not even James who wrote this himself, who's the half-brother of Jesus. Everybody struggles sometimes with their tongue and so the Bible has a lot of positive things to say about our words, about giving life to others, building others up, picking people up. Man, you've been there when somebody gave you a word that just encouraged you and made you feel so much better. You were having a really long day or a long week or a long season in your life. And so your words can be powerful 
because they encourage someone. They build someone up. You can help someone put their marriage back together. You can help someone find hope again when they've been so discouraged and depressed about circumstances of loss. You can walk with them through their own journey of recovery. And as we've been sharing at Journey Family all the time, the things that we're about to start in our community with Celebrate Recovery, a small group for those in recovery, that including 12-step programs, you get a Bible-directed beatitude to follow, the 12 beatitudes. You have 12 steps in the Bible. That's also partnered with the 12 steps of AA and Al-Anon groups. So there's this partnership. Say partnership? That journey's really excited to share with you that others who are in recovery can benefit from many positive things, positive words that are found in the Bible, prayers that will be spoken and messages and books and all kinds of things that are written, things that they'll study and share together. So the Bible has a lot of good things to say about how you can use the tongue in, in really helping the world and helping your neighbor and by encouraging and building things with God. But there's also the other side, the dark side of the damage that can destroy, and it's like a dagger, a word that gets loose. Remember I said last week talking about this thing about how sometimes we become complainers and belly achers, and we have this critical spirit that just seems to become everything's negative. We can't find a good word to say to anybody. Remember how last week I began talking about this, that this is kind of a habit that gets started, and it's really a bad habit. And uh, this is the dark side that I'm describing, that it can really cause a lot of destruction, a lot of damage. Psalm chapter 57, let's put that verse up there, talks about how it's like a dagger, a tongue out of control. It's like a sword. It's like a dagger or a lion that's got sharp teeth. It hurts. And so we get ourselves, just imagine yourself as an automobile or a pickup truck. We get ourselves out of line. We're out of alignment. And, and so we've got on all these kind of curvy, crooked, crooked roads and the places that we drive. And, and if you're not careful, you begin to wear your tires down. If you don't go in and go to the shop and get everything all lined up again, you begin to wear the edges off and, and your tires begin to, wear th they begin to wear thin because we're out of line. Our words, when they tend to be negative and when they tend to be critical and they, we, they become complaining words, then our life is out of line. And then you begin to wear thin. When you're with other people, they're like, I don't want to see that guy. I don't want to talk to that guy because he's just a negative, complainer, critical person who likes to gossip as soon as I leave about everything I just said. And so we have to be careful how we use our words. Say, be careful. You need a little help because we're not Jesus. And everybody has their moments where we wish we could just like stuff it back in there but as someone said in our Tuesday small group around our table with our guys, it's like trying to put toothpaste back in a toothpaste holder. That's not going to happen. You can't get it back in the tube once it came out. Once it squirts out, buddy, you've done lost it. And that's what happens with our words. So this is what David writes, Psalm 57. And this is a paraphrase of his words in the message. Look what it says. I find myself... David, King David, shepherd boy David, David who was running for his life from his own son. His own son was angry at him, tried to take the throne from him, tried to take his life. His family had come apart. Maybe your family has too. Maybe tragic things have happened. You used to be on the same page, all aligned on the same mission and purpose, and the next thing you know, we're at each other's throats were upset and angry about things and circumstances that have happened. David in the Bible found himself in that kind of that kind of condition, that kind of circumstance. I find myself in a pride of lions who are wild for a taste of human flesh. Man, they just tear you up. 
some some words just sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never. That's not true. Remember saying that? <laughs> words sometimes hurt worse than the stick or the rock they threw at you. Amen? Heck yeah. Words sometimes hurt worse. And that's what David says. The teeth are lances and arrows. Their tongues are sharp as daggers. That's Psalm chapter 57. So this psalm written by King David during a time in his life before he's officially crowned king and before he has this rise to popularity with all the people and it's during this time that David's got a lot of enemies. Some of you've made enemies. Maybe it wasn't even your fault. Maybe it is that other people were jealous or just unfair or they're just evil. And it happens. It happens to all of us. And it happened to David. And there were those who were jealous of his success. And they were angry. And it even describes their hatred. And they began talking about him publicly. And that's what turns into gossip. Is when people resent us. And they can't celebrate our success. What they begin to do is gossip. And they try to, they try to hurt us or harm us by saying unkind words to other people that may be untrue. Say untrue. So I said last week, let's define. Let's define gossip. What is gossip? Gossip is when somebody's having a discussion and the person that's being discussed is not even in the circle. If it doesn't include you and the person that you're talking about, then if there's a third party, that's really gossip, what, even if it's a good thing. If, if it's not the person that's being identified in the story that you're sharing and they're not there to defend themselves or to clarify that story, it then becomes gossip. And this is a really fine line. Time out, really fine line for us. Because you do share information with other people. If you want somebody to pray, pray about your, your family or something going on in your family, you have to share information with people so they can pray about that. And so we have to be very careful that we don't let prayer, oh, give me a long list of all your problems because I'm going to pray for you. But the next thing you know, they're talking about you because you've given the information to the wrong kind of person whose heart isn't really about prayer. It's, what, it's about gossip. And so even in the church, you have to be cautious. And that happened to David. And they were gossiping and sharing lies about him. And they were wanting to bring him down. And they chased him from mountain to cave with literally swords and daggers trying to kill him. And David describes the pain of their words. Some of our kids, some of our kids, they're cruel. You've got a child or a grandchild maybe and there's always bullies. There's always someone. Maybe your child sits alone in the cafeteria and everybody else shuns them. Maybe it happened to you. Maybe there was something a little different about you or something a little unique about you and maybe you ended up in the cafeteria in middle school or elementary school or junior high or wherever it happened. It happens to people. And sometimes it happens to us. And it happened to David that there were people who were trying to make his life miserable and they were trying to punish him and they were jealous of him. And one of the ways that they were trying to succeed was telling false information, sharing information that wasn't true about his character. And David describes it as a pain that's worse it's worse than that even of a lion with hungry, sharp teeth. It's even worse than that. Someone who smells blood and is coming after you. So David prays to God for mercy. Say, mercy? Mercy me. Do you believe that God listens to your prayer and brings mercy? I hope you do. Say amen. My wife had some car trouble today. She'd been to Cincinnati and she shared with me and with the worship team as she came in tonight to rehearse, she was telling them about her her uh, challenges and getting back from Cincinnati. Took her probably another hour, hour and a half longer, having to drive slower and not really sure. 
whether it was going to make make the trip or not and get her back home. But her point was she prayed all the way over every little hill and down every little valley. She was praying, God, get me back to town. Get me back to a safe place. God hears our prayers. God listens to our prayers. And I shared with some of you earlier, if you don't believe in God, you're missing it because there really is a God that listens. If you're a skeptic, I'm sorry, but I, I'm telling you, God hears every prayer. It doesn't become an answer to the prayer like we sometimes ask or hope for. It may not be here on earth. It may be in heaven that we see the answer to that prayer even later, but I promise you there is a God who hears our prayers, and so David is praying for some mercy. And if you need a little mercy at work, if your work is like, man, these guys are like chewing me up like a hungry lion. They're telling stuff about me that's just not true. And maybe it's just so discouraging. Maybe that's happened to you. Pray to God for a little mercy where you work. Say amen? amen. Or if your child or your kid is having a hard time and they get off the school bus and they tell you about an episode, well, just sit down with them right then and say a little prayer for God's mercy in your child's life. Instead of you getting all mad about it, instead of you like, I'm going to go take somebody's nose off, Let's pray first. Amen? Pray for a little mercy for your child who's having a hard time. It could be any of us, and it is the truth. And this picture for us in the Bible that I've just read in Psalm chapter 57 is a great illustration of how dangerous words can be, gossip can be. They're like swords and daggers and a lion's tooth or teeth, really sharp and they're really hurt. So having established that there is a good side of words that help to encourage and build things up and then sharing that there's a dark side that can really hurt and cause a lot of pain, let me give you two takeaways. We'll put it on the screen. You can write it down in your notes. And you guys who are home watching online, let, let me give you this too. Here's a couple of takeaways from the passage in James and the passage in Psalms that we just read together. Here, here's the first thing that we can take away. Our tongue that gets loose sometimes leaves a path of destruction. Put that down there. <laughs> leaves a path of destruction. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and also to you and I. He says, listen up, boys. Listen up, girls. Let me tell you a little bit about the tongue, like James the Apostle said in James about the tongue, how destructive it can be. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Don't let any of those bowling words, angry words, out-of-control words, I don't know, Messy words, careless words, harmful words. I don't know, come up with something there. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Good advice. Say good advice. Hard to do, but it's not impossible. You're not impossible. Whoever said to you that you're impossible in first grade, maybe your first grade teacher said, you're just impossible. No, you're not. You might be difficult. You might be challenging, but you're not impossible. God, everybody's possible because of God. And Jesus changes everything. So the tongue can be dangerous. I don't know how to illustrate that. The tongue can be dangerous. What do I mean? Somebody said it's like packing a pistol. <laughs> I don't know. You got a pistol in your pocket. You better have a trigger guard. You'd be like Barney and shoot your foot off. Amen? Right. Heck yeah. Pull that dude out with my one bullet. Shoot your foot off. Knock a picture off the wall. The tongue is like that. Amen? If you're not careful, you need a trigger guard. That's that's what he's talking about. And so this trigger guard, 
for our tongue so that it doesn't go off accidentally and shoot somebody's foot like Barney, the trigger guard like a safety lock, guess, guess what? It's this passage, Ephesians, it's the Bible. Chapter 4, verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. That's the trigger guard. Well, So you get to use all these words, then you get to choose... And men have a vocabulary and a library. Look up here, guys. Let me, let me give you a little secret. You guys have about 20,000 words daily. If you're a guy, in your library, you've got about 20,000 words. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. You've got about 20,000 words. Most men generally have about 20,000 words that they're going to expend in a 24-hour period. Now, ladies, on the other hand, no reflection at all here. I'm just saying this is how it goes. Ladies have more words. Say more words. They have about 40,000. They got about twice as many words in their library as you have in yours because men are from Mars and women are from Venus and we speak, speak different languages and we have different libraries, different numbers of words and books on the shelf it's not good or bad it's just that that's the way we're made and that's the way it happens and so if your little lady is still got a few words to use in that 40,000 she hadn't seen you all day and man, you spent your 20000 by noon. You're done. Now, you don't want to talk to anybody. Be careful. Be careful. Say, be careful. Your trigger guard, the Bible, don't use foul or abusive language like Barney or you're going to have your bullet go off, get discharged or something. It sounds funny, but I'm telling you, it can be destructive. Our words can be destructive. And that that's the warning that we're given that the tongue, when it gets loose, leaves a path of destruction. And it's like a gun, a pistol in her pocket. It needs a trigger guard to save the day. Or we're going to tear up a bunch of things with our tongue that gets loose. Let me give you another illustration. But before I move on, let me give you another illustration. Um, Ephesians 4.29 don't use foul or abusive language let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them that's the New Living Translation don't use foul or abusive language let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them where were you in 1974? Stop for a second. Where were you in February 1974? 50 years ago. Some of you were here. Some of you, 50 years ago, 1974, a tornado came through Harrison County and destroyed much of Connersville out the road here. I was in South Korea. I was in the military. I was deployed. Connie was here. We had a six-month-old while I was away. And if you drive through our community, even 50 years later, you still can find signs of what happened in the destruction of a tornado that came to our community. You can still find it. It's still there. There's still scars, and there's places that you drove through that never were rebuilt the destruction was devastating and that's the picture and the image of how our words can blow up a marriage or a friendship or a relationship never to recover again it's like that kind of power don't use foul or abusive language it really is something that when it uh, moves to a family, moves to a relationship and friendship, 
it's like a bomb blew up on the ground and it's ruined and destroyed everything and it's not funny then it's not something funny like Barney whose gun went off and it harmlessly you know went against the floor or the wall somewhere and it's the only bullet he had it's not funny when it actually is like a tornado that destroys everything so as followers of Jesus we need some help to filter our words before we let them get loose and damage and hurt people that God cares about. People matter most. People matter most. Say amen. Even the people that you're angry at, even the people that you're disappointed in, they matter to God. And uh, so be careful with reckless words. And that leads me to the second point about the tongue when it becomes gossip and we need a little damage control, here's number two. And then we'll wrap this up. Cleaning up after a tornado, cleaning up after the mess 1974, as I said, even 50 years later, you can still see signs of the damage and some of it never is ever the same again. And uh, the destruction of the tongue it begins by asking for forgiveness. When we've hurt and damaged someone, when we've kind of blown up with a whole space around someone, when we've destroyed a relationship or a marriage or a family, or when we've said harsh things or we've gossiped, whatever we've done with our words that were out of control, the best thing that we can do for the cleanup as words have spilled out of our mouth in a destructive way is to ask for forgiveness of God and apologize and then try to ask for forgiveness from others that we've hurt. Ephesians chapter 4 again, verse 31. And this is what Paul says. Look at it on the screen or look at it on your Bible or just read it. Just read what it says. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, which becomes gossip, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Yeah. Instead, replace replace that by being kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So the cleanup begins by saying we're sorry. You just start there. <laughs> it's not that complicated. That's probably the Two hardest things to do sometimes when it's been our fault that we blew the whole thing out of proportion, like the big argument got even bigger, the storm got even larger, but just say, I'm sorry, it's probably the place that we need to start. Say amen? Yep, it, it really is. It sounds like that's reasonable. It sounds like that's common sense. But sometimes it's the hardest thing in the world is that we'll be willing to humble ourselves, our pride gets in the way, our emotions have taken control. And we've made such a mess, we don't think there's anything we can do, but you really can. God can straighten things out again. We can get everything lined up again. Jesus changes everything, and it's never too late. And it's it's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay that way. It's all right. God's working with you, but you got to begin by apologizing and telling God you're sorry, and then try to tell the other person that you've hurt and injured or damaged in some way with your words. Tell them you're sorry as well. Apologies are good. And in, in the Bible, it describes it, uh, you know, that's the best thing that can happen. That's the best thing we can do when maybe we've been using some kind of accusing words or fighting words is that we begin trying to straighten things up. Don't wait until it's too late. Or you'd be calling in a the police department, somebody to come in and try to stop some big domestic dispute if you let things go you end up with a hazmat unit that shows up at your house like if you just keep your if your roof just keeps leaking know what i mean you know if it just keeps leaking and nobody's taking care of it or cleans it up you got the hazmat crew that shows up now it's too late like, it's terrible it's not even safe that happens to us if you let it go on too long so sooner than later try to say i'm sorry start there Humble yourselves. Pride goes before the fall. 
You get too big for the britches and you get exposed in the end in more ways than one. And so just say to God, I'm sorry, God, I let it go. I know better. I should not have said that. And then you tell the person whatever it was that you wished you hadn't said. You can't put it back and take it back, but you can say I'm sorry. Say amen? Yeah, that's the best way to go. So let me read this to you and read it with you. And I hope it does help maybe saying her sorry. Is a good way to go. Matthew 5. So this is how I want you to do it. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't mean this is the way it's going to come out, but at least try. You need a pattern. You need an example. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. When your tongue has damaged and blown up the whole landscape if you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering and you suddenly remember that you've got a grudge or there is a grudge you remember a grudge a friend has against you abandon your offering stop right there leave immediately and go to this friend and make things right something not right with you and your friend used to be friends then and only then come back and work things out with God. Or, verse 25, or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Initiate. Make things right with him or her. After all, if you, if you leave the first move to the other person, him or her, knowing his track record, their track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even in jail. Lance, I don't know how many couples I've had this conversation with right here from Matthew chapter 5. They get mad at each other. It just gets worse. Say worse? Shoo. If you leave first, if you leave the first move to them, knowing their track record, you're likely to end up in court. If that happens, you won't get out. You won't get out with, without a stiff fine. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. God has a better idea. It is a better version of life. Let it go. Ask for forgiveness. Ask God for forgiveness. Try to straighten things out. Sometimes you can't go back. Sometimes you can't go back to what's happened in the past. Sometimes that person's not any longer living. Sometimes that person's no longer in a relationship with you. They've already divorced and you've already separated and you're already moved away. Sometimes you can't do that. But between you and God, you can have this discussion even without the other person to let it go for your own conscience and for your own heart and for your own sake and so that you can move on. Say amen? Yeah, that's what you can do. And so ask God to help you in whatever situation you find yourself in with relationships that just got blown up. And whatever it was, it went wrong. So here's the three things that we've been exploring as I wrap this up from the series called Zip It. Lesson number one, containing our complaining and getting a new perspective on life means we have to start something, start something new, change the system, not hang out with negative pe people and speak words of life and be thankful for what you already have. Quit complaining about so many things that uh, have happened. Lesson number two is criticism that's gone bad is when we hurt people with our words. It's jealousy that goes wrong. It's just wrong every time. Be happy for other people's success. Try to be a cheerleader and an encourager, not a party pooper. Don't do that. Don't make it tough for other people. Don't cut people down, put people down because you're jealous. And number three the, the prayer request gossiper, don't just ask for information about somebody's personal life, pretending that you're going to pray about something, and what you're really going to do is spread some kind of rumor about them or bad news about them. Begin to clean that up. Our tongue can be like an F4 tornado, and uh, if you've already blown things up, the cleanup is possible when you begin to say, I'm sorry. So that's what the words that are in the Bible tell us. When words are like a bomb that has been dropped around the water cooler or anywhere else, 
instead of a place of encouragement, begin to clean up by telling God you're sorry and telling the other person, if you can, go and fix it, make it better. Work out a plan to get along better, even if that person's not around anymore. Release this to God and let it go. Try to move forward. Bottom line, are you ready to begin the cleanup? Well, yes, I am. So how do I do it? Jesus Jesus is the answer. Jesus changes everything. Start with Jesus. Amen? Honestly, I think everybody just needs Jesus. That's a song right now on Caleb. We'll probably have that for Easter. That's a great song. Honestly, I believe we all just need Jesus. Amen? Everybody. I think it's the truth. If you're home with us, we're going to do communion. And if you're in this room tonight worshiping with us, every time that we gather, we do communion. And we do that because Jesus and the disciples and the early church and the the church that Jesus started when he left earth and went back to heaven, it was the church where they shared the Lord's Supper in memory of Jesus' sacrifice that they could be better and they could be forgiven. So take the bread. If you're a follower of Jesus, and Jesus is your Savior, it's not about what church did you go to or what church do you belong to. It is, is Jesus your Savior? Let me say a prayer and then we'll take the cup together. God, help us get things sorted out and straightened out with your help. We couldn't do this, and we can't do this without Jesus. And may we help every discouraged person that they realize that it's not over because of Jesus. Jesus changes everything. We have mercy and grace and forgiveness for our mistakes, and so does everyone else. Every, every word that we regret having said is forgiven, not because we deserve it. It's because Jesus paid for that in giving his life for us. May we believe that right now, that we are forgiven and that we can let this go and not be worried any longer. Jesus changes every word and everything. In his name, amen. Together. Thank you. And I hope you are blessed for joining us in worship. And I hope that you will join us again. Easter is next. Hope you'll join us then in a few weeks and let us know how to help you online. And if you've got any kind of prayer request before we take off tonight, slide down the hallway there. I'll take my microphone off and I'll pray with you for a second. We're going to sing one more song and uh, everybody's going to come up here and help us lead in a song as we worship God and thank God that Jesus changes us. Jesus changes everything. God bless you. God loves you. We do too. Thank you. See you real soon.